Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And we're from Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the entire Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. Like the minute when Principal Strickland becomes a vigilante hero of the wasteland after Biff takes over Hill Valley in the alternate 1985 timeline. I I don't... Wait, I don't I don't remember. Or that. the minute where we learn that Dr. Emmett Brown is secretly the saxophone king of Hill Valley. Hold on. When when did that or when did that happen? When we slowly start to realize that George McFly may have murdered both of his parents. Okay. Now I don't I don't remember that being in the movies. Well, Scott, that's because none of those things are actually in the movies, but it's all stuff that we talk about on Back to the Future Minute. Back to the Future Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. So today we'll be talking about Minute 156, which starts with Celeborn finishing his line from last week, uh, I much desire to speak with him, and ends with Galadriel saying the line, and in all lands. This is a very quiet minute. Yes. We get... A, we get Legolas saying, a Balrog of Morgoth. <laughs> the the uh, the guy that plays Celeborn has such a, a lyrical, musical way of speaking. Well, yeah, he's an elf. But I, more so than, than other elves, I think. His voice is just, is very lyrical. He's very sing-songy. Without sounding like it sing, like, I don't really know. A very this. measured cadence? Yes. Martin Sokus? Yeah, I, I believe that's how you say that, yeah. The, the C is silent. Because Sokus. As Sokus. opposed to uh, the opposite of Caliborn. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a funny little thing to me, mm. anyway. Oh man, he was in Xena Warrior Princess? Awesome. He's a New Zealand actor, so yeah, probably. <laughs> hey. Is, I just imagine most New Zealand actors have been in Hercules or Xena at some point. Is Xena, like, New Zealand's Doctor Who or Harry Potter? Like, Her- every, everyone's yeah. been in it. Yeah, Hercules, too. There's a lot of there's a lot of cross-pollination <laughs> there. Just everybody. Everybody shows up on that show for a bit. So we talked a little bit about uh, Galadriel's eyes last week. But they're really... You really get a chance to look at them here. And I really, really like, I just, I don't know. I'm reiterating how much I enjoy the lighting, like the Christmas lights in her eyes. Yeah, it 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 makes her stand out among everybody else, especially in what is basically two minutes of nothing but close-ups. Mm-hmm. It really helps her stand out. And it's interesting that it's just her. Like, it's yeah. just her eyes, not um, Celeborn's eyes, too. Because uh, I was looking at the book right before we started recording, and it talks about both of them, like the lady and the lord, and um, they both have, like, eyes that are, like, 
wells and stars and whatever. Um, but it's interesting that they chose just to highlight Galadriel in the movie. Well, she's the more like active and important of the two, really. That's true. In the it, it's interesting though, because like I'm so used to Galadriel being more of a presence in the movie that going back and reading the book, like rereading the book, it's Celeborn that you know welcomes them and you know greets them and whatever and she's just just being a good host she's just kind of sitting there and then finally she speaks eventually well she speaks when Celeborn kind of speaks ill of the dead right well no she says uh he's talking about Gandalf not being there and he's like well why isn't Gandalf here unless Elrond changed his mind like we haven't had news from him in a while and she's basically like, no, he didn't change his mind. Gandalf left with them, but he's not here anymore. And I don't, he didn't pass the borders of the land. And, um, I don't sense his presence. Uh, and she is actually the person who says, um, I had much desire to speak with him again. Yeah. Yeah. They shifted some of their lines around here. Yeah. They, the elves talk a lot in the book and it's interesting to me that in the movie they chose to make the elves more of um like an aloof enigma instead of just like they're more detached yeah which i think works for this because we're i mean we keep talking about how the elves are in decline and kind of apart from like hobbits and dwarves and humans and stuff but i think in the book it's more subtle like the like the elves are portrayed um not as aloof and they're always uh very courteous and they speak quite a bit and i think in the book the elves are set apart because of their wisdom Instead of their lack of speaking, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, instead of their instead of their differences, they're they're shown to be wise and courteous. Yeah. And that's of, instead of being shown as so separate. And that's what sets them apart in the book. Yeah. For me. Well, because they have this old world knowledge. Right. They have this wealth of knowledge, so they just talk about it all the time. So elf, like I, book elves are so much chattier. Well, yeah, because I mean, we even have all those scenes like in Rivendell with like Bilbo and the elves, right? And the elves talking crap. Yeah, like we we can't tell you mortals apart, making, you're like sheep making songs and all of this. Yeah, and even the yeah, the elves are also so musical and singy. Yeah. in the books, and they don't do that in the and movie the, as much. Like the elves in the the old forest that Frodo runs into at the very beginning. Yeah. They, like, invite him over for dinner. Yeah, they're, like, having a party. Yeah. They're on their way to the Grey Havens, but they know how to throw a party. Right? They they still have time for, for travelers helping those who are weary. Yeah. So it's interesting to see those differences so starkly, I think. 
but it's kind of it's kind of weird for me because I'm so much more familiar with the movie, like going back to the source material and being like, oh yeah, elves just like talk all the time. Right, they're like me. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I uh, I've always liked this scene and this little introduction here to Galadriel. I've always thought it was very powerful and kind of setting up her mysteriousness before we get the scene at the mirror. Because the way that she speaks and the way that she kind of regards everyone says a lot without really saying anything other than like introductions and being like, where's Gandalf? Um, so I've always, I've always wondered about her first line in this minute where it's super, super close on her eyes and you don't see her, the rest of her face. And she says, like, um, Gandalf has not passed the borders of this land. And then she she finishes up with, like, uh, he has yeah. fallen into shadow. And you and we, see her say that. Yeah. Um, is that first half, like, telepathic? So maybe. That's the impression I've always gotten, is that first half is telepathic. Because it matches the tone and the volume of when she was speaking to them when they were coming to um Karis Galathon. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't understand why she would use her magical elven brain powers when she's looking at her guests. I think that that is just to put even more in the forefront of her minds that she is a magical being beyond other elves that we've seen. Yeah, but we already know that she's magical. We just had Gimli talk about how there's a witch that lives in the forest. Right. We saw her crazy starfield eyes for like a split second and like a voice. Right. And but isn't like a thing about like making a movie or like writing a script like every so many minutes or every so many scenes if something's important you need to remind the audience? I think that's just this. I thought that was just like a thing in general because you see it in a lot of movies. There's a lot of repetitiveness yeah. when it comes to like an important aspect of a person. It comes up like every five to ten minutes. I think, I don't know, maybe I just suck at writing movies or something, but I think it's kind of when people do that, it depends on what it is. Yeah. Um. I mean, if it's the main thing of the movie, yeah, it's going to come up every five or ten minutes. But if it's like some random side character's magical brain powers. I don't know that I need to see it every two minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you also have to keep in mind that this scene uh, in the extended edition is a little over two minutes longer than the theatrical version. Mm. This whole like introductory sequence with Galadriel yeah. is, a, is like around or a little over two minutes longer than the theatrical version. So some of it might just be that there was that use put back in when they re-put the scene together. But even then, there would still be, like, a reference to it about six or seven minutes yeah. apart. But, like, my thing, because, like, it came up last week, too, when you were talking about the the scene on the treehouse in the dark versus the daylight scenes. I don't, I mean, I care about the theatrical, but we're, like, talking about the extended, so I'm looking at specifically things, like, what works in the extended and what doesn't. 
I don't, this has always worked for me because I think it's important that we establish that she has this power because the first bit is like, okay, she's a sorceress. Well, no, I mean, right? Yeah. So she can contact them from afar. Then we see like the lights in her eyes, which is like a physical tell that there's something special here. And then we see cemented through like this kind of telepathic idea that this is something she can do all the time. It's not like a power that she can summon up and contact someone from afar. It's something that's a part of her. Yeah. I just think it was, it's a weird choice to have her use this power when she's in the same room as these people. And mm. like the, the whisper is loud. So clearly it's broadcasting to all of them. Yeah. Why not just use your voice? I've always just taken it as second nature. Use your big kid words, Galadriel. <laughs> I've always just taken it as second nature in Galadriel that she's so used to communicating telepathically because she can communicate with multiple people at once clearly. I would never want to visit her because she would just be like talking to me and then finishing her thought in my brain. That's so annoying. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, it works for me. I'm just like, I'm just confused uh, because it's not 100% clear to me, I think, whether or not she's actually using her voice or if she's using her voice, like V, like with a capital V. Right. Um, is it is it her inside voice or her in-mind voice? <laughs> I mean, well, that's not true. We see her yell uh, next week. But um, that's her outside voice. I was just going to be like, well, all she does is whisper. So, uh, but that's not true. Right up until she doesn't. That, that, yeah. I, I mean, and I don't, I don't, I love Galadriel. Like, I'm just going to straight up, I, I love Galadriel. I love Kate Blanchett's uh, portrayal of her. I'm just confused about the her manners. I'm confused <laughs> about her manners. Th there are. <laughs> obviously she she doesn't she doesn't see a personal boundary in her telepathy no so. that's rude it's really rude that's so rude and we'll see some of that tomorrow like get that out of my brain it's consent consent <laughs> is important especially with mind reading and other things but in the context of this movie mind reading <sighs> right <I'm> <laughs> She's, she's pushing. I hate when I get worked up about stupid magic. <laughs> so, uh, let, let's talk about a line this is change. Fake. Let's talk about a line change that I think is really interesting. Okay. Because I, I think it's, uh, I find it interesting that they take Caliborn's line from the book about Gandalf needlessly falling into the net of Moria mm. and give it to Legolas. To Legolas, yeah. But Galadriel still has basically the same response. It's like, what? But in the book, it's Celeborn being like, well, this was stupid of Gandalf, and now he's dead. And Galadriel's like, don't speak ill of Gandalf like that. Yeah, basically. She's like, how dare you? Yeah. I think that that's interesting that they take that away from Celeborn and give it to Legolas. It makes, I think it makes more sense kind of this way. Like, why would the person who's like expecting Gandalf and like, seems to have respect for him all of a sudden be like, well, that was really dumb. Well, and it's also because they changed, because Galadriel is the one who's like, you know, I had much desire to speak with him again. Celeborn is, I think in the book, in the movie, he's like a non-entity. He's like a cardboard Sandy with a voice. 
that's like that's basically what he is. We see him here, and then we see him. Do we even see him when they leave Lothlorien? He might be standing there. So no, I don't even think he is because it's just Galadriel with her hand with the sleeve, and then she like waves. Oh well, yeah, that's in the theatrical. But I think in like the gift giving scene, Caliborn is standing there. Oh okay. So he's basically like her trophy husband. Yeah. My God. <laughs> I have I have to have one of these. So this is him. You personally have to have a trophy husband. Well, no, that, that's I Galadriel. I think we have to have a conversation after. That, that's like what Galadriel says <laughs> oh. to, like, Elrond. It's just like, oh. well, I, I have to have one of these, so I guess it's Celeborn. That's... No, but Celeborn <laughs> is highborn, too. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The impression that you get from, like, Galadriel in the movie is that, like, she just doesn't care about anything. So, like, he's the one that married up? Yeah. And she married down? She's just so far above why him. Why would she marry down? Mm. And then why would she let her daughter, like, get with that half-elven guy? She likes Elrond. <laughs> Elrond's a cool dude. He's chill. He lives far away from the in-laws. I don't know. I don't know anything about Kelborn and Galadriel's relationship. I'm just like, you know, the way the movie is presented, he's just so wooden and she's so far above. He just he just has a few lines like, tell me where is Gandalf, or I much desire to speak with him. And then that's Nine it. there were that set out yeah. from Rivendell. Yet eight. <laughs> well, uh, just the way that that line is said has always kind of made me chuckle. I think in the book, Celeborn is the more, I don't know if like there are worldly elves, but like he's, he's like well versed in courtesies and he's being a good host and he's just like talking about like, oh, Gandalf, that old crackpot, you know, he shouldn't have gone into Moria. And Galadriel is the more, I mean, Galadriel has more speaking lines in the book, too, but I think she's a little more, um, like, mystical. You know, I think the line, too, giving Celeborn the line that he he can no longer see Gandalf from afar, Mm. I think is supposed to give the audience the impression that Celeborn is also kind of mystical. And put him on similar footing to Galadriel, but whether, what he, whatever he can do is not really important to the story. Yeah. But I think that that's what that line is maybe trying to accomplish in the movie. Maybe. You know, he's a, he's a powerful magical elf too. So he's more than a trophy husband. Mm. Just like the way this movie is, like she's just so aloof and above him. She's like, girl, she's she's so much better than him. Yeah. But I don't even feel good about saying that because we know literally nothing about Celeborn in the movie. I know. Like, we hear his name, and then he is looking for Gandalf, and then we never see him again. No. Yep. Celeborn. He was there. I <laughs> It's interesting, and I understand, like, okay, we're we're nearing the the three-hour mark for this movie already, so I know that you can't include every single detail from the book. Oh, yeah, because it would have been, been a 24-hour or more experience. That's not an adaptation. That's just filming the book. That's a play. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because a play is... I mean, technically, it would be an adaptation because you're changing the media. But, like, 
there's a certain, like, you have to be able to change the media enough that it actually works for what you're changing it to. Right. And in that sense, these movies are brilliant because you get the spirit of the book, which is what is important as far as I mean, someday we're going to talk about a crazy adaptation someone wanted to make about this this book. Oh, boy. I really want to find that script. We got to look. But um, that is neither here nor there. So I understand that he couldn't have put every single thing in the in the movie because that's crazy. And he's already crazy. Yeah. He's already crazy for wanting to do a year and a half long shoot. At the same time, it just feels weird that this, like, cardboard cutout, like, NPC character, like, you come up, it's like, oh, here's your quest. And, like... (laughs) Right, like, Caliborn is the one you turn in the Moria quest to, and then Galadriel gives you your next quest in the line. Or you just walk up to him, and then he's just like, oh, hello, stranger. Little question mark above his head. You go, and then he has like two lines of dialogue yeah. that cycle through, yeah. even though you keep trying to talk to him because like, he seems really cool. It's like talking to the townspeople in Skyrim, <laughs> in, in like Pokemon or something. <laughs> Just... Like, there's like one person in the town that actually like gets you to where you need to be going, but everyone else is just like, "Oh, I love Pokemon so much," and then that's like the only thing they <laughs> have. Say. You met my Pikachu, yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I don't know. I want more Caliborn content. Right. Normally, go. I don't have an issue with them not including things. I understand completely why they don't even mention Tom Bombadil. But I want more Caliborn. There you go. Lothlorien is is an interesting place, and there's lots going on here yeah. that we don't that we don't get to know a lot about. If they ever make a Lord of the Rings miniseries. I want an episode about Lothlorien. Uh, I just, I just want that Boromir plot that we talked about last, <laughs> and week. last week. <laughs> Boromir's side quest. Yeah, man, I want Boromir's journey from Gondor to Rivendell. Oh man, a six-part miniseries a la Earthsea. Is Celeborn in um, the Silmarillion? Probably somewhere. Okay. But there's not a lot about Galadriel in the Silmarillion. I don't think there's a lot about Caliborn either. We need to like, I I am so curious about him. I I I expect better. He's no yeah. he's not a trophy husband. <laughs> I'm upset I on mean, his behalf. As far as the Silmarillion and like Galadriel goes, one of the things that we do know about her is that she crossed the ice sheet with Fanor into Middle Earth. That's so sick. Okay, we gotta read more Silmarillion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do want to talk about the very end of this minute, but mm-hmm. it also kind of leads into the beginning of next minute because there's that look of realization and kind of relief on Gimli's face when she addresses him directly. Yes. And I don't. there's just, there's so much in that look that Gimli gives her in this scene that's just like, like all of his prejudices melting away. In the face of this elf in particular. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked a lot about um, Pippin's guilt. Yeah. As far as Gandalf goes. But I think here we get a lot of Gimli's guilt, too, because... And then it's Legolas who says, you know, we needlessly went through more... Like, needlessly. Yeah. Like, this guy wanted to go through Moria, and so we did, and it's his fault. Passive-aggressive elves. But... 
I think it's interesting, A, that she she even says uh, like, Moria in Dwarvish. Like yeah, she says Khazad-dum. Yeah, do not mourn the emptiness of Khazad-dum. Yeah. And it, that happens in the book, too. Like, she says some, some Dwarven names and Gimli instantly lights up and he kind of gets flustered and just, like, bows and he's just like, oh, I have a crush on this lady. But... <laughs> She is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I think it's interesting that, like, Galadriel is basically echoing Boromir's words to Frodo from last week. Yeah. Like, don't carry the weight of the dead. Like, that's what... So it's cool to see that as well, like... Because Gimli's pretty stoic. Yeah. Most of the time, when he's not, like, yelling and swinging an axe around. Or right, when, there, when there's not a fight. Yeah. So... Well, I mean... I guess stoic is like the best reticent might be the better word because he's not very forthcoming with like his own personal struggles or his emotions, but he's certainly not reserved when it comes to action. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the right word for that would be. Uh, I don't know. Emotionally stunted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think it's interesting because it kind of, it, it's Galadriel that plays like the mediator between these two characters who aren't like actively fighting each other, but who maybe blame like they're there's a bunch of blame and guilt and stuff. And she's just like, don't worry about it. It was his choice. It's not your fault. Yeah. It also, um, it also kind of echoes the fate conversation that like Gandalf and Frodo had a little bit. Mm. I guess she, she mentions that he didn't do anything needless and we still don't know what his role was to play. Yeah, what his purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. So she's also kind of echoing that as, like, one of the themes of this story, and, like, really specifically in regards to, like, Gandalf's life, and, like, whether or not what he's done and what he's supposed to do is, like, faded, if it has some greater purpose and all that sort of stuff. Meh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, no. We talked for 40 minutes about this already. (laughs) I don't want to get into it again. Um, I, I just find it so, I think that John Reese davies did such a good job with that one, like, look. It's very, it's a very powerful moment. Yeah. And it is immediately followed by another very powerful set of looks tomorrow with Boromir and Galadriel. Mm. Which we can talk more about tomorrow. Yes. If we talk, start talking about Boromir, we're going to go for another 30 minutes. So... <laughs> We are from the website uh, duelinggenre.com, and we also have a Patreon, which you can check out at duelinggenre.com slash support. You get our weekend edition, which is currently monthly, uh, and will start being weekly after we finish the fellowship, um, as well as uh, the Patreon content for all the other podcasts on duelinggenre.com, except Harry Potter Minute, because they have their own stuff going on special thanks to our patreon associate producers libra 182 and ed foster i hope everyone has a good one day bye